This is the Sideline Dissident Podcast coming to you from YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, Spreaker. Follow me on Twitter at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker. It's good to be back with you. Lots of stuff going on in the NFL world. Uh, I couldn't be more excited. The NFL, really, it's this is why it's so much better than the NBA, because there's so many teams that are still in it. You, you never know week to week. One week, everyone's like, this team's a favorite to win the Super Bowl. The next, they're like, oh, this team's a favorite to win the Super Bowl. You never know, but I'm going to start talking about the New York Giants, a team that I have been pretty hard on uh, these last few weeks, because I just didn't buy into them. Uh, if your head's been in the sand, the uh, New York Giants won last night. They defeated the Dallas Cowboys 10-7. to They now have a 9-4 and record. Not only do they have a 9-4 and record and uh, pretty much clinched the playoff spot last night, not quite, but almost there for the Giants, but they, they've actually beaten the Cowboys twice this season. They're the only team to beat them. They seem to have Dallas's number, and, you know, that's a playoff matchup I would not want if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, but look, I, I'm starting to buy into the New York Giants, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that, because I've been saying all season, look, the Giants have no pass rush, they have a shaky offensive line. Two weeks ago, when they were 8-3, and three, I said that record is negligible, because all of those teams that they beat, they won five in a row, all of those teams they beat were terrible, except for Baltimore, but even when they played Baltimore and beat them, it was early in the season, and they weren't playing good football at that time. And then they lost to Pittsburgh last week, and I said, see? And look, I, I criticize Giants fans a lot, because they... It, All season, they've been drawing comparisons to the two recent Super Bowl-winning Giants teams. And I said that was crazy because, as Michael Lombardi pointed out a couple weeks ago, this Giants team is a finesse team, not an overly aggressive team. And that's been my argument, you know. This is a completely different team than the two Giants teams that won the Super Bowl because this is a finesse team, not an aggressive team that, you know, uh, blitzes the quarterback in every play. Boy, was I wrong. And I'll admit that right now. I was completely wrong. In fact, I realized last night, the two Super Bowl-winning Giants teams of the last decade did not play well early in the season either. You could have called those finesse teams as well. I remember the last Giants team that won the Super Bowl, uh, they they were horrible all season, or or like two-thirds of the way through the season. They were maybe a 500-level team. And then they played the Packers. I think they lost. The Packers were, you know, Packers have been good for a while now. They were a good team that year, too. Uh, They played the Packers in the regular season. I think they lost, but uh, they played them close. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this Giants team is pretty good. And then, you know, they got hotter and hotter, uh, went through the playoffs as a wild card team, and beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl for the second time. And, you know, maybe the same thing is happening here. I don't know. The truth is, last night, up against perhaps the best offensive line in the history of the NFL, and I, I, that might even be an understatement, they consistently got to the quarterback, and they mitigated the run. You know, Ezekiel Elliott had an okay game, but for the most part, they forced Dallas to throw the football uh, because of the way they played that game defensively. Now, I don't want to say the Dallas offensive line... Uh, is, you know, a, a vulnerable team. Here's my graphic saying, are is there, uh, 
uh, the, about the Giants contenders. But uh, I'm not saying they're a vulnerable team, the offensive line for Dallas. I mean, they're the best unit in football. It's completely obvious. Uh, but they were outmatched strategically last night. Every time the New York Giants called a blitz, it was the perfect play selection. You have to give Ben McAdoo some credit uh, and that Dallas defense. They were also really great on third down, like third down and five, third down and six. Those plays, teams practice so much. They were extremely effective on those plays. And, you know, those blitzes, they blitzed on third down a lot, New York did. Those blitzes often gave the Cowboys room to throw. And Dak was effective at getting rid of the ball quickly, but it still wasn't enough. They still had those defensive backs back there to give give Dallas maybe three or four yards and then stop them just short of the line. They did that like half a dozen times, and it was very effective. You know, not only is this an aggressive defense right now, it's become a very smart one, and they also won the game without Jason Pierre-Paul out there. I thought the Giants had no shot. I thought what we were going to see going into Sunday night's game is we are going to see uh, we go, okay, now we know how much Dallas improved this season. They they lost to the Giants in week one in a close game where they dropped a lot of passes, but, you know, they've improved a lot, and now they're here in New York, and they're blowing them out. Obviously, that's not what happened. Uh, look, Dallas has been so good this season because they always seem to have an advantage in time of possession. But they had the ball nearly two minutes less on Sunday Uh, than the Giants did offensively. (laughs) And that's saying a lot because the Giants didn't do anything offensively yesterday. Anytime you can play even with Dallas in time of possession, you have a shot to win. You know, I'm a New England Patriots fan, and I've been saying I do not want to face the Cowboys in the Super Bowl because I don't think the Patriots will ever get the ball. Uh, But the Giants proved that you can keep that time of possession relatively even. If you can do that, you can win the game. Now, uh, of course, I don't want to paint a completely happy picture for New York Giants fans. There's still a lot this team has to overcome if they want to be successful and be anything like the the two most recent Super Bowl champion Giants teams. Uh, Not to mention they have a different head coach. Uh, And the Giants' offense right now might be the worst it's been in a while, and that's really saying something, uh, because they've been trying to build that offensive line for five or six seasons right now, and it just seems to keep getting progressively worse. Uh, and you can see it with Eli Manning. He's very frustrated out there. Uh, you know, I think Eli Manning is a great quarterback, and he's just, like, 90% of the time he has a bad offensive line, and, you know, we, we don't give him enough credit. Uh, for when he does play well with that bad offensive line. And, uh, look, I'm not the biggest fan of Odell Beckham either. I'm sorry. I just, I, I think he's the most talented receiver in the league. It's not even close. I think he's more talented than Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. I really do. And the fact that teams double and triple team him and he still is able to get open really says something about the kind of receiver he is. I don't know if we've ever seen a receiver like that. But he's still whiny, and the organization puts up with it. And it's not like the New York Giants don't have other receivers to throw to. A lot of people like to say, oh, New York, Odell is the only receiver they have. That's not true. Pittsburgh has worse receivers uh, than uh, once you remove Antonio Brown. 
you say the same thing about Atlanta once you remove Julio Jones. Uh, I, I don't like how the organization has put up with Beckham, but he is an extreme talent, and you can't deny that. Uh, but, look, I, I don't think it's impossible for the Giants to get to the Super Bowl, even with the offense that they have right now. If they can somehow avoid going up against an elite defense in the NFC, and there really aren't that many of them, in fact, I think the only elite defense is Seattle. And, you know, they're having a lot of issues right now, especially in the offensive end. So even that might be a matchup they could win. Uh, and you could also argue Green Bay's defense is playing very well right now. That might be a tough matchup for the Giants. But other than those two teams, I mean, the Packers might not even make the playoffs. Right now, they still have a long way to go if they want to get in. And. If they can avoid Seattle and Green Bay and maybe get that Dallas matchup early on in the postseason, which is a real possibility because the Giants will go in as a wild card, they can make it to the Super Bowl. And not just make it, they can win the Super Bowl. Because if they go up against a team like Oakland or New England, teams that have good offenses but not but kind of mediocre, middle-of-the-pack defenses. Actually, Oakland's defense is like a bottom four, bottom five defense. I... I just don't see how uh, the New York Giants, I just don't see how they're not capable of winning those kind of games. Because, look, you go up against the New England, look, I'm a Patriots fan, and I would love to finally get that shot against the Giants in the Super Bowl again, but it is kind of a matchup nightmare like it was the other two Super Bowls. And, look, I Tom Coughlin was a great head coach. He just wasn't consistent. But if you have one week to prepare for one game, Tom Coughlin might have been the best in the NFL. And it's kind of like kids that are in college and that don't study at all until the midterm and the final, and then they do well. Uh, that's kind of what Tom Coughlin was, was as head coach in the New York Giants. Now, I'm not saying Coughlin was lazy as a game planner. It's very difficult to win in the NFL consistently. That's not what I'm saying at all, but... I think maybe we're starting to see that same culture under Ben McAdoo. And I haven't been a big fan of McAdoo, but you can't deny what we saw out of that team uh, last night. Uh, New York Giants, that pass rush is something to be reckoned with. And they didn't have a pass rush literally four weeks ago, and now they do. And they don't have Jason Pierre-Paul out there. That counts for something. This is a team to look out for. So uh, I'm going to read Dak Prescott's numbers from last night against uh, New York Giants. Look, it's it's tough to win on the road in that environment, especially with the Giants playing well, and they, they have some of the most passionate fans in football. But uh, Dak Prescott yesterday, 17 of 37, 165 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, not great numbers. Look, there, there isn't a reason to push the panic button just yet if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, but things are definitely starting to look shaky. And a lot of it also has to do with the remaining schedule that they have. Uh, it, it's going to be very difficult for them to win out these final three weeks. 
here's who they play. They have the Tampa Bay Bucks at home. They have Detroit at home. And then they have Philadelphia on the road. Pretty good defense Philadelphia has. What happens if Dallas loses to the Bucks next Sunday? It's very possible. Tampa Bay has won five games in a row. And in those five games, their defense has given up an average of just 12.8 points per game. And in only one of those games, in those five games, did the opposing team score more than 20 points. That was last week in San Diego. Good offense. Weak offensive line, but good offense. And then there's Atlanta in the postseason. If that is a matchup the Cowboys have to go up against, that Atlanta is a team that can score 30 points against literally every defense in the league. They're capable of scoring 30-plus points against Seattle. I mean, that's the kind of team the Atlanta Falcons are. I'm not saying Dallas's offense couldn't outgun Atlanta's offense. And, and Dallas's defense has definitely gone a long way. Uh, the Cowboys didn't lose the game last night because of their defense. Their defense looked great. But they're going to need to score 30 points in all likelihood to beat the Atlanta Falcons in the postseason if that is a matchup the Dallas Cowboys have to go up against. Now, Dallas has only scored 24 points in their last two games combined. And Prescott hasn't reached 200 yards passing in his last three games. Just to give you some perspective, that never happened ever with Tony Romo. In fact, Tony Romo never went two consecutive games in his NFL career with less than 200 yards passing. Now, I'm not arguing Tony Romo should get his job back. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think Dak's mobility is a much better fit in that run-first offense. But there are some issues with Dak Prescott, and uh, a lot of it is the same issue I had with Aaron Rodgers earlier this season. Rodgers seems to have fixed those problems. A lot of it has to do with his players getting healthy again. Uh, But what I was seeing a lot from Dak Prescott last night is he escaped the pocket probably a little too much against the New York Giants defense, and they knew that going in. They clearly took advantage of it, especially with all those blitzes on third down. And it's, it's something that Aaron Rodgers, it's a bad habit that Aaron Rodgers has when he's not really focused out there on the field. Sometimes when he's hearing footsteps, uh, he's been hit a few times or been sacked a few times, and he's beginning to hear footsteps, which all quarterbacks do if they've been hit a lot. Uh, you'll see Aaron Rodgers just completely miss open receivers and run out of the pocket and try to create something even though there was something already there. We saw that from Dak Prescott. I think he is, he ran out of the pocket a little bit too much. And I don't think Dallas's offensive line was really ready for it. Because if you're a quarterback and you're escaping the pocket, even if your offensive line is doing a good job at protecting you, all that does is give the defense a much better angle at the quarterback. And it doesn't matter if you have the best, most physical offensive lineman, which Dallas does. They have their backs to the quarterback. They don't always know exactly where Prescott is on the field. And a lot of the time, you saw Prescott escape the pocket a little bit too prematurely, and then the New York Giants were able to go after him because the offensive line didn't know it was happening. 
you see that happen a lot with Aaron Rodgers, and these last few weeks, uh, Rodgers has done a really good job at fixing that, only escaping the pocket when he needs to, and uh, getting rid of the football quicker, and that's part of the reason the Packers are winning now. Uh, we're seeing Dak Prescott get into those bad habits a little bit, and he, he's had two rough games in a row. Look, I'm sure Jason Garrett knows this, he knows it better than I do, and we'll talk to him about it, and Dak is a fast learner, as we've seen this season, so I'm not saying he can't fix it, it's a pretty easy fix, and Dak's very good at getting rid of the football quickly, uh, not not like Aaron Rodgers was earlier this season, uh, so I, I think he can fix that, but it is problematic. This is and Another thing is, this is a team that needs to learn how to win in cold weather. Actually, they don't need to, but... Uh, but we saw, you know, Zach, uh, Dak and Zeke do not have much experience in cold weather. Like, they have experience in, like, 30, 40-degree weather, but they play college football, and the season ends in November. And, you know, they're, they're not used to this, like, 15-degree NFL climate in December. And, you know, you need, to, you need to be able to run the ball effectively if you want to win games at the end of the year. And that's why defenses... First of all, defenses tend to improve throughout the season anyways, uh, but when the weather gets colder, defenses also tend to play a lot better because it's harder to move the football, especially if you have a weak running game. Luckily for Dallas, they probably only have one cold weather game left this season, and that's the season finale in Philly, assuming they're able to clinch home field advantage. It's going to be pretty hard for them not to. They pretty much have to lose their next three games for that not to happen, uh, but if they can clinch home field, they really only have one cold weather game. But that season finale in Philly could be tough if the Cowboys do have to play. Especially, let's say they drop their game against Tampa, which is a real possibility against that defense. And let's say they drop that the next game against Detroit, a team that's also playing very well this season. Uh, and the And the Giants win those two games. Suddenly, we have a division race coming down to the last week of the season. And if it's tied, the Giants have the advantage because they beat Dallas twice. I don't think that's going to happen, but it really could. But it, it was shown on Sunday that with the right defensive scheme, that Dallas offensive line can be a bit vulnerable, and you can toy with Dak's decision-making. If I were a Cowboys fan, I would pray they do not have to play the Giants or the Seahawks, or a healthy Packers defense in the postseason, because all of those games are tough outs. I wouldn't, I'd be a little bit uneasy if I were a Cowboys fan after last night's game. But again, don't press the panic button just yet. What was going to happen first? Were the Chicago Cubs going to win the World Series, or were the Rams going to fire Jeff Fisher? Unbelievably, it was the Cubs that won that battle, but uh, finally the day has come. The Los Angeles Rams, just a couple hours ago, announced that uh, Jeff Fisher, they're finally moving on from the losingest head coach in NFL history. 
By the way, that's a stupid statistic because Jeff Fisher's been in the league for a long time. It's like it's like judging Michael Jordan for turnovers. He just has the ball more than everyone else. Uh, but uh, I couldn't believe it when it was announced just just last week that Jeff Fisher had received an extension. I think, what was it, a two-year extension? Uh I, I just didn't believe it. Believe it, and the same with Les Snead, uh, the general manager of the Rams, uh, because the two don't get along, as we found out. And then there was the whole Eric Dickerson with Jeff Fisher, which all he did was just create a distraction for his team uh, when he did when he called Eric Dickerson up. It, I mean, it just was not a conflict an NFL head coach should start with one of the greatest players that's ever played for your franchise. Uh, so I spent all last week trying to figure out why it might be a good decision to give Jeff Fisher an extension, and I I finally came around and said, okay, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. I guess. And the reason why is my thoughts were, the Rams suck, but that's because they have the worst offense in the NFL, and they've been consistently one of the worst offenses under Jeff Fisher, but their defense is actually pretty good. That was my thought, because Jeff Fisher is a defensive-minded head coach, so maybe the plan was to fire their offensive coordinator, Rob Boris. He's in his first year, but I really hope that's still the plan. They should fire him for that offense, the way they performed. That was my thoughts, though. They'd keep Jeff Fisher, and then they'd hire a really great offensive coordinator. My idea was they should hire Lane Kiffin, and then just say, look, Jeff, you're not allowed to talk to the offense anymore. This is Lane's job, uh, but keep focusing on the defense. It's a, it's a pretty good defense. And I, I still believe that was the logic for giving Jeff Fisher an extension last week. But then the Rams gave up 42 points to one of the best offenses in the league. And and that's the Atlanta Falcons. And... Uh, it became clear that that defense that we all thought was so great isn't as good as we thought it was. And here's the thing. Sunday was probably a job interview for the offensive coordinator on the other side of the field in the L.A. Coliseum. You know, there was a time, in fact, probably the majority of the time in the NFL where having a defensive-minded head coach like Jeff Fisher made a lot of sense in the NFL. I mean, Bill Belichick's a defensive-minded head coach. Part of the reason he's a great coach, though, is because he can coach all positions. Uh, But it made sense. It made sense last year. I mean, the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl with a mediocre offense at best, but their defense was incredible. You know, you hear the adage, defense wins championships. There was a time, the majority of the time in the NFL, where it made sense to have a defensive-minded head coach. I think that time has passed. Because the game can evolve just that quickly. It can change in one season. It really can. And now we live in an NFL era where it makes sense to have an offensive-minded head coach and then a great defensive coordinator to compensate. And here's the thing. Kyle Shanahan, he's the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. He was on the other side of the field. And you know the Rams were watching. And they put up 42 points. And that's not easy to do in L.A. against that Rams defense. I mean, Seattle came in in here 
by here, I mean L.A. I live in L.A. Uh, they came, what was it, week two or week three of the season, and weren't able to do anything offensively. I know Russell Wilson was a bit hobbled, but uh, it shows that that Rams defense is is better at home and they're tough to beat. And the Falcons put up 42 points on them. Now, some of them were pick sixes and they were defensive plays, so it wasn't all the offense. But you can't deny Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, has put together arguably the best offense in the NFL. At least the best offense in the NFC. I still think the Raiders are probably the best offense in the league. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read too much into losing in the loudest stadium in the NFL on a Thursday night. I think they have a really great offense because of their quarterback, their offensive line, and their talented receivers. And I think Latavius Murray's a great hatback too. Uh, but you could definitely argue the Falcons are the best offense in the NFL, at least the best in the NFC. And a lot of that has to do with Kyle Shanahan. Let me read off Shanahan's resume since 2010. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Redskins for four seasons. None of them were great seasons. But he was the one who brought in Kirk Cousins. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. Because all of those pieces ended up falling into place after he left. Those were Kyle Shanahan's pieces. The reason Kirk Cousins is so successful in the NFL is because Kyle Shanahan was the one that pointed it out. And I think there was a quote from uh, uh, Kirk Cousins like a week ago or something where he said, Shanahan is the most creative offensive coordinator in the league. And he doesn't get enough credit for building up that Redskins team that's very good at moving the football right now. They can't score in the red zone, but they're very good at moving the football because of Kirk Cousins and because of Kyle Shanahan and what he saw. So then, after four seasons with the Redskins, Shanahan went to the Cleveland Browns as the offensive coordinator. And he went 7-9. and nine. Going 7-9 and nine with the Cleveland Browns is like going 16-0 and 0 with the New England Patriots. That is a very difficult thing to do. He almost went 500 with the Cleveland Browns. Think about that. Look at what the Browns are putting on the field this season. And last season. But last season, Shanahan left Cleveland and made the wise decision to go to Atlanta to be their offensive coordinator. And we all know how creative and explosive that offense has been these last couple of years. So I think Kyle Shanahan is the obvious choice for the LA Rams to be their head coach. The other choice, I think there's two options here. There's Kyle Shanahan, and the other choice is Josh McDaniels. He's the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. Now, I'm not as keen on Daniels being a replacement in L.A., partly because I personally don't want to see him leave New England, but I know that happens if you're coordinator for a successful team. But mostly it's because of his brief history as an NFL head coach. Uh, Josh McDaniels was the head coach of the Denver Broncos for two seasons, uh, and when he went into Denver, McDaniels, it was a very similar situation uh, to what the L.A. Rams are currently going through right now. Messy offense, but a very talented defense. Uh, the Broncos signed a lot of free agents going in, uh, defensively going into McDaniels' first season in Denver. And what happened? That Denver defense ranked 8th in, in the league in total defense. They were pretty good. But then the following season, Josh McDaniels' defense, 32nd, last place in the league 
and the Broncos fired McDaniels. He went back to New England, uh, and we all know what happened from there. They were successful. Look, if I'm not saying Josh McDaniels can't be a great NFL head coach, and a lot of head coaches fail at their first or second or third job, and then suddenly they succeed. Bill Belichick failed in Cleveland and got fired. It, it happens. That's just the way it works. But McDaniels needs a quarterback that's capable of calling audibles, and he needs a great defensive coordinator if he's going to succeed. And uh, first of all, Jared Goff is not that quarterback. He hadn't called an audible in his entire life until this season, and even now he's still trying to figure it out. Everything was already predetermined at the line for him while he was at Cal. And I'm not sure if the Rams' defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, I'm not sure if he's cutting it. You know, how much of that defensive success... And again, throw out yesterday's game, where the Rams' defense gave up 42 points. They've been consistently a pretty good defensive unit. But how much of that was Jeff Fisher? How much of that was Greg Williams? There's no way of really knowing unless you're actually live within that organization. Uh, but if you if you have Josh McDaniels with Jared Goff at quarterback, I just don't think that's a good fit, especially after being with Tom Brady, who is such a leader out there. He almost acts as an additional offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Uh, the other name that is rumored uh, to be the next Rams head coach is Matt Patricia. He's also a member of the Patriots organization. He's the defensive coordinator. I think that would be a terrible choice for the Rams, too. Uh, obviously, you heard my argument that they should go for an offensive-minded head coach. I think that's the right decision in today's NFL. Uh, but the thing about Matt Patricia, that Patriots defense isn't great either, if you've watched them at all this season. They don't give up many yards. I mean, they don't give up many points, but they give up a lot of yards. And uh, that costs you against good teams. You know, you may be able to stop the New York Jets in the red zone with that Patriots defense, but you're not going to stop Seattle, as we saw uh, when Seattle's offense came into Foxborough. And just like uh, the L.A. Rams with Greg Williams and Jeff Fisher, when that defense is playing well in New England, you don't know who to give credit to. Do you give credit to Bill Belichick, or do you give credit to Matt Patricia? You don't know, but I think Matt Patricia would be a terrible choice for the Rams. Go with an offensive-minded head coach. It makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Josh McDaniels is a risk, but he's a better choice than Matt Patricia, that's for sure. But I think if I were a Rams fan, I would definitely want to go with Kyle Shanahan. I think he's the obvious choice, and I think he'd want to be the head coach in L.A. Uh, And uh, he certainly impressed the Rams' ownership yesterday with the Falcons' performance, and it made all all the sense in the world to fire Jeff Fisher, even though you just gave him a contract extension. So that's it for today's podcast. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday for my final podcast of the year. Uh, That being said, I'm going to be uploading content in uh, the weeks ahead. Uh, They just won't be podcasts. So uh, tune in on YouTube to see some of that content. Uh, Great football tonight. Monday Night Football. Patriots and Ravens. The Ravens always give New England a challenge in Foxborough. They beat them twice there recently uh, in the playoffs. That should be a great game. Best pass rush in the NFL. Uh, I'm looking forward to that, Uh, but until Wednesday, I bid you adieu.